0: Readers Entertainment Radio presents Book Lights with your host, author Lisa Kessler. Book Lights, where we're shining a light on good books.
1: It's Monday again, everyone. Can you believe it? Last Monday in January, we are solidly into 2021. Thank you so much for being here with us today, and I'm really excited. Excited, especially for all our listeners who are into thrillers, because today we have thriller author Jason Pinter on. And actually, I didn't even ask you—is it Pinter or Pinter? Pinter. Pinter. I was right. Yeah. yay! Okay. <laughs> you were right. You were
0: right. It's like uh, it's spelled like pronounced like Harold Pinter, but no relation.
1: Okay. All right. So if you have never read Jason yet you're in for a treat. We're going to talk about his new book and before we get started I'll read his bio here so you can get to know him. He's got quite the background. So Jason Pinter is a best-selling author of seven novels for adults, Hideaway, the first Rachel Marin thriller, and actually the book we're talking about today is the second Rachel Marin thriller. So anyway, exciting. The acclaimed Henry Parker series and the standalone thriller The Castle as well as a middle-grade adventure novel, Zeke Bartholomew's Super Spy, and the children's book, Miracle. His books have, have sold over a million copies in print worldwide. He's been nominated for numerous awards, including the Thriller Award, Stand Critics Award, Barry Award, Seamus Award, and The Mark was optioned to be a feature film. He's also the founder of Paulus Books, an independent press, and was honored by Publishers Weekly Star Watch, which recognizes young publishing professionals who have distinguished themselves as leaders in the industry. He has written for The New Republic, Entrepreneur, The Daily Beast, Esquire, and more. He lives in New Jersey with his wife and their two little daughters. And I did put a link to his website right there on Blog Talk. You can click that anytime. And also, be sure to follow him on Twitter and Instagram. His handle for that is there as well. And without any further delay, Jason, welcome to Book Lights. Thanks for coming on today.
0: Thank you for having me. That is, uh, thats I is, gonna be impressed on my own, but you make me sound way more interesting than <laughs> I think I actually am.
1: <laughs> right? You always hear your bio, and you go, wow, I'm kind of a big deal. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, then, but then I've been wearing sweatpants for the past 10 months, and I'm like, yeah, I'm not that big of a deal. <laughs>
1: Right, yeah, you're over it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you have a new book out, A Stranger at the Door. You want to tell everybody why they should go grab it this week? Oh,
0: yeah, well, because I say so. Isn't that enough? No, <laughs> um, <laughs> no so, uh, yeah, Stranger at the is the second book in my Rachel Marin series. Uh, the first book, uh, Hideaway, came out last year, um, and the reviews have been absolutely phenomenal. So, uh, the series uh, features uh, Rachel Marin, who is a a uh, young single mother of two children, um, and in hideaway, a traumatic event uh, essentially shatters her life, and she's forced to move to a small town with her children uh, to start over, take new names for her children to escape her past. But uh, she, and because she's sort of been let down by society, she's had to essentially hone her mind and her body to become a protector to her family because she feels nobody else can protect her, can protect them. Um, but she also has this real um, sort of desire to see justice done because justice wasn't done in her case. So when a, uh, a woman is killed in Hideaway, she feels like she has no choice but to find the murderer because she feels like police aren't going to. Uh, and in the second book, A Stranger at the Door, um, she's started to find a little more peace and, and solace sort of in her new position. But when uh, her son's schoolteacher is dead, she has no – she finds that she has to get involved. But she also finds that her son is slowly being uh, sort of groomed by this shady businessman who's exploiting emotionally fragile young children. And her son is very emotionally fragile. He hasn't really recovered from the traumatic events of the first book. Um, So she has to both uh, find a murder and essentially pull her her son back from out of harm's way. And uh, all the while balancing family, balancing justice, Mm -hmm. balancing a relationship and and essentially trying to, to keep her world together
1: wow and is she a detective what what's her she is
0: not she's a you know it's funny she's sort of a the pitch is that she's sort of a vigilante Uh, i don't know if i you know she's not like batman she doesn't sort of go out at night and beat up bad guys (laughs) at 3 a.m but that to me was always sort of the interesting thing about the characters that she's somebody who has a real intense desire to see justice done but because she has small children she's not the kind of person that can kind of go out and beat people up in an alley 3am or stouts and close down bars and things like that, because she has to, you know, pack lunches for school and help with homework and things like that. Um, so she is not uh, an official cop. Um, she essentially, after the, after the, fr- the events of the first book, she wanted to stay low. She wanted to stay out of the spotlight, but her sort of desire to see justice done sort of forces her hand. Um, and that's sort of what this work part of the conflict comes from is that she's not an official cop. She is, in a way, taking the law into her own hands. But she justifies it by saying that if she wasn't there, justice wouldn't be done. So how does she sort of balance wanting to see justice done without going too far?
1: Wow. And what made you choose a single mom protagonist?
0: So I started writing Hideaway, the first book, shortly after our oldest daughter, first daughter was. And I was sort of mulling ideas for a new book. And I had the idea, you know, I kind of wanted to do a new series because I hadn't done one in a while. And my wife said something that really resonated. Uh, It was sort of after when our daughter was six months old and she said to me, you don't know what it's like to essentially grow something inside of you, then have it exist outside of you and not know that it's safe at every moment of the day. And just to me, there's something right there, something elemental about the protectiveness of a mother and the bond between them. Like I consider myself a very hands-on father, but there's this Biological bond between a mother and a child that a father just doesn't have. So, and I thought it would be really interesting to sort of set up this conflict of this woman who wanted to be a protector and wanted to essentially make the wrong, you know, write the wrong things, but also had these children who depended on her and had these two really strong ties pulling on her at all times. And I just. Having it as a woman just to me felt it like more more emotionally complex and a little bit deeper at the time and i am very happy about that and I think it was it was the right decision
1: That's very cool do you, are you constantly picking your wife's brain? Kind of picking my wife's brain, but then I also like i I do
0: speak to other mothers i speak to other to single mothers Try not you know not just understand from the female perspective but from a single mother perspective because I think the perspective of a single mother is very different from that of just a a mother, because there's that much more responsibility that, and it's that much harder. You know, my, my wife has, I'm there to help out. I'm there to take care of the kids. I change as many diapers as she does. I make the lunches for school. (laughs) Um, but if you, if you don't have that partner, if you don't have that support system, how do you balance all that and stay sane? It's, it's hard enough as a parent with a spouse. Um, so right. it was important for me to talk to to other women who lived that and have been through that to really understand the emotional side of it to try to make Rachel feel more authentic
1: that's so cool. How many books do you think will be in the series? Do you know
0: I, as many as, as many as, as I can. I love the character I love the stories i I, I love expanding her world. Um, you know so the second book just came out i'm sort of I have the idea for the third book, and then it just you know like anything it comes down to hopefully readers keeping books and want more and if they want more then hopefully uh you know my publisher will want more too
1: right and i'm gonna all all my listeners always hear this but i throw it out there anyway because i'm an author too and and the thing is a lot of times people want to wait until a series is complete and then read it all but the problem is with publishing is if people don't go buy that first and second book the publisher's like, well, I guess the readership's not there. And then you don't get the finish to the series. So everyone goes is, buy book is one and two. That is very
0: true. I always say it, <laughs> it is, you know, especially the last four years when the news media has just been consumed with the insanity out of Washington, it's been very hard for books to get the attention that they usually get. Um, so I tell people, right. if you love a book, buy like buy the book, recommend it to your friends, leave a review online, post about it on social media. If you want more books from your favorite authors, you have to take an active role in spreading the word because it's harder for authors these days to get the word out there about their books because there's so much competing for that attention.
1: That's very true, very true. And it's it's hard when there's giant things happening in the world to pop your head in and go, oh, I have a new book. Oh, <laughs> my! yeah, I mean, my, my <laughs> hi,
0: so Hideaway came out literally the week that the country really shut down with the pandemic. I was literally on oh, no. tour. I did. I did. I did a launch event in Hoboken, where I lived at the time. a Launch event in New York City, and then I had a bunch of events scheduled for the West Coast. So I was literally. I'd flown out to San Diego for a convention. I want to say it was around March 10th, give or take. And that was literally the uh-huh. week when everything just shut everything down. When shut. all of a sudden everything just. I remember we were oh, no. sitting at the bar with some friends. And we are watching TV, and that was the night the NBA announced that it was suspending its season. And that was the <laughs> moment when we were all like, wow, this is really getting serious. This is uh, and is yes. so can't the rest of my – yeah, the rest of my tour got canceled, and I flew home. So I like, my first, the first book in the series came out right as the pandemic was starting. The second book in the series literally came out right, followed right as an insur- insurrection was happening. So the third book's <laughs> going to happen during an alien invasion. <laughs>
1: Right? Yes. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So for sure, everyone who's listening, definitely, you know, grab the books and, and tell people about them because it is harder right now for books to gain traction. And it was hard before because so many come out every week and, you know, getting anyone to notice that your book exists is hard. But it's much yeah. worse right now, so everyone So it's, grab that it's book. very
0: very hard right <laughs> that's why you know we 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 ask we we ask more from readers because we need them
1: right, right, yeah, readers are the other part of the symbiotic relationship because we turn Absolutely. the stories out, but if no one reads them, they don't ever actually come to life you know
0: yeah, that's very it is very symbiotic, That's very well put.
1: So you have another series, too, the Harry Parker series. Is that one complete, yeah. or are you going to write yeah, Henry more books Parker than that? Series. Um, you know,
0: as of right now, it's complete. Um, the way the fifth book in that series wrapped up was sort of very much a conclusion. It was a sort of a, a – it really felt like it came full circle. Um, I've always sort of toyed with the notion of maybe bringing Henry back at some point. I look at Dennis Lehane. He's one of my, my, my inspirations, and he wrote five books, in his great. Uh, Patrick Kenzie, Angela Gennaro series, and he wrote five books, and then put that series to bed, and then wrote another one 10 years later, Uh, and it was sort of like, where these characters are 10 years from now, and, you know, part of me sort of likes the idea of popping back in at some point, saying like, you know, hey, where are these characters now? Um, So, you know, I would say that the five-book series is complete, but I would not close the door completely.
1: Okay. And you have I mentioned at the beginning that you've written like a children's picture book, a middle grade book, mm-hmm. and now you're writing adult thrillers. are there any yes. other genres you haven't tried yet? You got a sci fi book in you or?
0: <laughs> there there are other genres in
1: me and I'm going
0: to plead the fifth on specifics right now because I have something in the works <laughs> and I'd rather not talk about
1: Okay. It. No no spoilers but yeah. <laughs> but i really think it's so cool that you have found your way in so many different genres um because usually and you probably know because you have your your publishing business but usually they make you stay you know this is your wheelhouse now this is where all your readers are but you've really branched out
0: you know i think that's one of the, the beauty of you know the 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 way distribution and everything has changed is that I don't think authors necessarily need to be kept in a uh, you know one lane. I think they can branch out a little bit. I think readers will follow them along, or at least understand like, hey, if J-, you know, I love Jason's thrillers. Now he writes a children's book. Okay, maybe that's not my speed. So I'll just stick around for the children's books uh, or the other or the thrillers. Um, so I think that's one of the good things about this sort of uh, the well, the diversification of what authors have been allowed to do and the ways to get it out there. Um, and I think that's good because a lot of authors like me, you know, we want to we might want to experiment in other arenas and see if we will find us.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And what did your writing journey look like? I always ask people, you know, did you always want to be a writer? Did it bite you later in life? Um, Mm -hmm. You know, what did your journey look like to getting published?
0: You know, it it was sort of very weird in that I think I always wanted to be a writer. Um, I was, I think it came from just being wanted to be a reader first and foremost, and then sort of writing you know, sort of rip-off stories about whatever I was reading at the time when I was younger. So I, I used to love epic fantasy when I was a kid, and I'd write, you know, sort of little fantasy stories of my own that were total rip-offs of whatever I was reading, and I didn't really, really, uh, sort of, my, my early dabbles into fan fiction. Um, Your
1: early fan fiction, and, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um,
0: and then, you know, I, I remember it was in college when I started to get a little more serious about it. And I remember, I remember this very, very clearly. I went to the the head of the English department, uh, the head of the creative writing department. And I said, like, you know, how do you get published? How do you be a writer? Because I didn't know the first thing about it. And she told me, first thing you need is a literary agent. And I had no idea what that was. I was like, okay, I guess, you know, movie stars and, and singers have agents. I guess writers have them too. And that made sense to me. Um, so I wrote a terrible coming-of-age novel when I was in college. I think everyone has to write one terrible coming-of-age novel before they get published. Um, I wrote one other novel that I actually did try to get published but didn't get published just because it, it wasn't very good. And it's probably a good thing it didn't get published because it wouldn't have been good for my career. Uh, and then I wrote the first book in the Henry Parker series, which did get published, and led to five books in that series. Um. So, you know, I wrote two books that didn't get published before I wrote my first published book, one of which was I never tried to get published, Uh, one I did and didn't get published. And I think that was good for me because it taught me a lot about craft and it taught me a lot about how to construct a story and pacing. Um, And in the end, it worked out for me.
1: Yeah. And did you join um, writers groups along the way? Did you just learn in school or did you just do hard knocks of rejections and try again?
0: I, think, I hate to say it, it was kind of hard knocks. I mean, you know, I, I did work a bit in the publishing industry. Um, you know, I took a job as an editorial assistant out of college. So I read a tremendous amount. But I think one of the most important things, I learned how the industry worked. Um, I learned the ins and outs. I think, and I think if you want to be a writer, that's one of the most important things you could do is learn the industry. Because um, if you're going to be a writer, you sort of have to treat it like a small business. Um, you know, you or you run your business, and how do you best do that? So understanding the industry, I think, helped me a little bit.
1: Yeah, for sure. And and with all self-publishing now, you really have to – I'm kind of a hybrid because I have a publisher and I have series that I put out myself. And
0: right, it was
1: very hard to switch gears and think of yourself as a publisher instead of, you know, just the writer of the story. You, got, you do no, have absolutely. to think about I mean, marketing and where yeah, will if, people find it.
0: If you're publishing your own books, it's you know, you are you will run a business. You have to do cover design and editing and formatting and then you know, it's not just enough to have a book, you know, up for sale on Amazon, but how are people gonna find it? How are you gonna alert people to it? And it's it's very, very hard and you have to constantly be doing it and you know, I it it's very hard but it can be very rewarding.
1: Yes. Yes, there is an element of control that you don't get when you're with a publisher, which is nice, but then the flip side of that is, oh, there's so much control, I have to control everything. (laughs) Exactly,
0: yeah, exactly.
1: So I've been asking everybody who comes on, um, this past year, I didn't know it was going to last this long, but how has writing during a pandemic been for you? How do you focus in and do thriller stories trigger your anxiety while the world is on fire? How are you getting it done?
0: God, I have enough anxiety right now with, with my family (laughs) and, you know, my two people running, doing full-time jobs with a two-year-old and a three-year-old. Um, you know, I think writing has kept me sane in some ways because it's like I, I was actually talking to my agent recently. I was like, you know, having a book to work on during the pandemic has sort of given me something, given me something to focus on because I think otherwise you can let your anxieties run rampant and think, oh my God, the you know, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. So being able right. to sort of like lose myself in a world a little bit has been useful. And I, I don't, you know, not everybody has been able to focus or write and, I think everybody has reacted to this differently, and there's no right or wrong way to deal with it. This is the most insane thing that's happened probably in in any of our lifetimes. Um, But for me, I think being able to write and lose myself in a story a little bit has actually been really therapeutic.
1: Oh, that's good. And I know at the beginning of it, I was having a really hard time because I write paranormal romances. So there's like this happy ending and I'm like, how can I write a happy ending right now? But (laughs) I did find, I did find that, that, you know, um, having peer groups and knowing their writing and we would do Zooms where we're all writing so that, you know, because you used to be able to go on a writing retreat or go ride at a coffee shop or, you know, and now everyone's trapped at home. So you do yeah, have to yeah. find a new groove that you didn't you know, you didn't have to before. Well,
0: it's it's a it's a new normal and it's you know everyone finds a, a different way to do it. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it is nice to have a book that you have control over cuz sometimes things feel out of control and you're like, well, at least I got a thousand words. <laughs>
0: oh, absolutely. I mean, and and you know, so go back to what you're saying, you know, I think people need happy endings right now. I think people want a little mm-hmm. happiness, a little escapism. You know, I think um you know, that that's the reason there's certain shows that are doing really well. Like, my wife and I just binge-watched six seasons of, of Shit's Creek in, like, two months, you know, like, 80 episodes. And yeah. I think part of the reason we loved it so much is because it's just, like, there's a warmth and happiness to it. And, you know, even though there are conflicts and dilemmas, like, it's not a dark show. In fact, it's 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 very ha- – it exists in sort of this very happy world. And I think for us, you know, right. 20, 25 minutes, the end of each night, it was, like, a little bit of an escape. Like, oh, here, like – here are our friends. We're going to laugh a little bit. Nothing really (laughs) bad is going to happen to them. Uh, and, and I, and I think a lot can be said for that right now.
1: Yes, for sure. And when I, uh, saw the title of your book, a stranger at the door, of course, what popped in my head was (gasps) when a stranger calls, um, how scary is your thriller? (laughs)
0: Yeah. How scary is my thriller? Yeah. Um, There are some moments that are maybe a little, you know, a little nerve wracking. There's one scene in particular I'm thinking of, you know, it's not, you know, I don't think my books are dark because I do think there is some lightness and happiness to them. And in the end, these books are in a lot of ways about love. They're about Rachel's love for her children and her desire to sort of allow love back into her life. Um, but there is some darkness in them. I mean there you know, she's investigating murders and there's some really terrible people out there who do terrible things and yeah, I think part of the fun is that you want them to get their comeuppance, but it's yes. not sunshine and rainbows <laughs> to getting to that point. So yeah, there there is some um, there is some darkness in these books, but I'm not sure I consider them dark.
1: Okay. Yeah, and and we do all like to see them get what's coming to them. So like Rachel, yeah. we can relate in that way. <laughs>
0: yes, yeah, yes, absolutely.
1: So what are you guys, um, you already mentioned Shit's Creek, but what are you binge watching? What are you reading? What, what keeps you inspired right now while we're all inside?
0: Well, the only, we really, you know, the, the fun thing about having two full-time jobs and two small children is that we don't have a lot of time to binge watch. So I think, you know, we just spent the last few months binge watching Shit's Creek and I think now we're going to hopefully find some, something new to watch. You know, there's some, a lot of shows that I I've wanted to watch that we've just haven't got a chance to. Um, I have been reading for fun. I just finished uh, The Invisible Life of uh, Addie LaRue by uh, V.E. Schwab, which was absolutely fantastic. Um, I finished uh, The Raven Boys by Maggie Stiefvater. Uh, I read this great book um, by Sam Wasson um, called The Long Goodbye, which is about the making of Chinatown, which was absolutely uh, fantastic. Um, I read uh, Pretty Things by Janelle Brown, which was great. So you know i I'm trying to read here and there, I don't have as much free time as I did before the before the pandemic um right. but you know it's still it's still like you know my list of things that I want to read and want to watch is just
1: growing by the day yeah, have you noticed i I mentioned this in my newsletter recently, but you know I used to always before this last year, I used to always think, wow, if I had time I would learn these languages i would watch these operas i would (laughs) you know all these things and then we've been locked down for a year and i'm like i haven't done any of those things
0: (laughs) oh no i see people are like oh yeah i learned how to bake bread i learned how to play piano i'm like i don't i barely have time to go to the bathroom
1: (laughs) right (laughs) you know
0: people people say like oh i like i'm bored because i I watched everything on netflix i'm just like come watch my
1: right right yeah yeah i feel like i've I've wasted my wasting time i'm
0: yeah exactly. I haven't exactly. learned to bake
1: bread or cakes or anything,
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. but you
1: know writers we sit in the cave and we write,
0: yes, yes, that's true, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: So what is next for you? Are you writing the third Rachel Marin right now, or what, yeah, you know next? we're
0: sort of we're talking to my publisher right now and and you know the hopes is that they'll want more books. you know I was fortunate they that when I wrote Hide away, they signed me up for you know for two books for hideaway and a stranger at the door. Um, and you know, now the hope is that they'll want more. And, you know, one of the things, uh, like I said, when a book comes out, you hope that enough people read it and talk about it, that your publisher is going to want to think the series has more legs. So I think we're sort of like figuring that out right now. Um, and hopefully I'll have you're more in the soon. wait and
1: see part. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. 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 Do you have a pat? Well, besides your super secret passion project, do you have another book that you're, that you're writing, that you're excited about?
0: You know, I think right now I have this project that I've been working on for a while that I'm excited about, and then I have hopefully more books in the Rachel Marin series, and I think that's enough between a full-time job and the kids that that's, you know, to have sort of like two books on my plate that I want to write plus everything that, you know, like, you know, if I look 20 years out in the future, there's a million things <laughs> I'd love to write, but I think having sort of like my immediate future, these are, these are the two things I want to focus on, and hopefully they'll both, they'll both see the light of day.
1: Right, right. And are you still working in publishing right now?
0: Oh yeah, yeah. I run, I run Polis Books. Yeah, like you said in my bio. Oh
1: okay. Wow, go you. <laughs> you have your hands full.
0: I do. I, I very much do.
1: For some reason, I thought that was in the rear room mirror. I didn't realize you no, were doing no, that I still and you writing for Thomas Mercer. Nope, wow. No, no.
0: That's my full-time job. Yeah.
1: Wow, you are busy.
0: Yes, I definitely. Am. And
1: you're watching two little kids.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is, yep, yeah, they have, yeah, you know, two year old and a three year old, and I love them. I love them, and it would take a bulge for them, but it'd be nice occasionally if, uh, you know, they could go to the potty <laughs> by themselves, or, uh, you know, right. uh, could could make could, could make their own food if they were hungry.
1: Right, I can promise you. The day they can make their own bowl of cereal, your life will change forever. That is the best. Oh
0: yeah, there's <laughs> nothing like being deep in edits and all of a sudden hearing, "Daddy, I'm hungry," and, I'm, and I just want to be like, uh-huh. "Go get it yourself."
1: <laughs> right, but someday I promise you, they will be able to.
0: <laughs> oh, I, I know that, and, and trust me, though, I'm sure someday in the future I'll want them to 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 want to you know to need me, you know.
1: <laughs> right you'll turn around and you'll go wait don't you want me to make the grilled cheese sandwich
0: exactly exactly <laughs> yeah and then right right now i'm like oh you can make your own snack but yeah someday in the future i'll, I'll love you know i'll love to to be be bothered to do that
1: Right. And before the show, we were talking, too, about um, moving during the pandemic. I actually moved from San Diego to Florida because my husband oh, had wow. gotten a job. And, of course, during the pandemic, we're like, well, we can't pass it up. So
0: we yeah, moved
1: cross-country yeah. during the pandemic oh, wow. going, please don't let us get the plague. And you experienced yeah. a move with two small kids.
0: Yeah, yeah. We moved. Uh, we were in Hoboken, New Jersey. We moved down to central Jersey. um, to have a little more space, you know, we were in a, a pretty small apartment with two kids who so we're, were not getting smaller. Um, yeah. So we were very fortunate that we found a, a space right before the sort of the market exploded. Um, you know, we took precautions. We talked to the right people. We had the, the house deep clean before we moved in. Um, right. yeah, it was, it was, it was we were, my wife and I were looking at each other like we must be just completely out of our minds to do this, but right? you know, in the, in the, in the rear, <laughs> but now looking back, like I, if we had to stay in that apartment with going, everything going on right now we would have gone insane
1: right yes yeah we were thinking the same thing driving across the country with the dog and cat in the car I was just thinking oh my oh, god kill me <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> uh, I can't I can't imagine doing that with, with a dog and a cat too
1: yeah, it was it was not a really fun trip and then there was the plague so you're constantly worried so your anxiety levels right at a really good country level you're
0: afraid to you're afraid to pull over cuz who knows what rest rest <laughs> right. stops are like yeah Right,
1: we we had to drive right through um Lake Charles Uh, louisiana on our way and that was right after the hurricane had hit and i am a san diego native so i don't do weather so seeing all of the devastation i was like what am i doing (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) i'm gonna go live in hurricane land what
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh my god That's, that's that's crazy
1: Right, yeah, yeah, but but sometimes you got to do it, and even if there's a pandemic, it's time to move, right?
0: Absolutely. I mean, we we had to. You know, we were you know we were you know already cramped, and and my wife has has uh some um has some uh, respiratory issues, and we did, we couldn't stay in Hoboken, which was just a very very packed small city. We were on top of each other, so we had to get out.
1: Right, right. Yep, so you do what you got to do. We're all exactly. we're all plague troopers.
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly.
1: So, another thing about your title of your book, A Stranger at the Door. They they mailed me a copy and I opened it up and I thought, oh, no strangers at the door right now. Right? It's funny when I write <laughs> scenes in books where there's a lot of people, I'm like, where's the masks? What? <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, we 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 watch those shows now people hugging or kissing or if there's like a love scene, we're what? like like they didn't, they didn't Purell first.
1: Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's definitely changed things. <laughs> so we're running out of time, but before we go, um, you mentioned you're on Twitter and Instagram, right? Is that how you like yes. readers to get in touch with you or how? Yeah. So I'm
0: on Twitter and Instagram. And you can find me at Jason, at, at Jason Pinter on both. Um, or you can go to my website, Jason com. Uh, and you know, if you, I, I love it when readers uh, tag me in posts or reviews. I love interacting with people. Um, yeah, that's, that's one of the great things about social media is that even in a, a tough landscape to, you know, to get know, to get attention for books, there's, there's better ways than ever for readers and writers to connect. So I love hearing from people.
1: For sure. And anyone out there, when you read a stranger at the door, if you really love it, take the. the Oftentimes we think, oh, authors are too busy, but take the time to just send a note about, you know, how much absolutely. you enjoyed that book because it fires up the writer. It's so much to write that next book just knowing that we made any kind of difference in your day. So absolutely, it can really, really
0: it fun. can really, it can really, you know, writer, you know, it's weird to think because they they create these books to hold in their hands, but like writers are people, and hearing from people that they you that they wrote a book that that you know, made your day a little bit better or got you through a long drive, it really, it, it, it changes your, it can make someone's day and it has made mine before. So yeah, but go up, please go out of your way to do that, whether it's me or someone else.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, thanks so much for being here, Jason. It was great having you Thank on. You.
0: This is wonderful. Thank you so much.
1: Okay. Thanks for joining us
0: on Book Lights. Be sure to connect with us at www.readersentertainment.com for articles, blogs, videos, and podcasts that matter to readers.